Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another round of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I am JB at my desk, and a man whose voice you may recognize, especially if you love you some Rays baseball, Dwayne Stats, is at the other desk. Dwayne, how are you? JB, good. Good to be with you. Uh, We're excited to have you. I know fans are fired up. Uh, I know we've walked you through how the show works. Let me walk the new fans through it. If you are on a, a device and you're on the MLB Fans app, uh, get in line, join the show, talk to Dwayne directly, and I just hang out, which we all know is best for everybody. Uh, in the meantime, I'll use uh, Twitter. The hashtag is ChattingCage. I'll find your question. I'll read it as best I can. Or I'll read comments from the MLB Fans app like this one. Dwayne, I'm going all in right away. We're just going to jump right into yep. things here. Uh, Ralph23 wants to know, and I'll, I'm going to take the raise out of contention for the answer. So, uh, Dwayne, if you were able to broadcast any team of any sport other than the Rays, which one would it be, and why would it be that? Boy, that's a great question because I've had uh, a great 20-year run here with the Rays, and I've had opportunities starting with uh, the Astros and um, uh, then the Cubs and the Yankees. And, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, but uh, strangely enough, I was a Colt 45 fan. And so we'll take it completely out of the realm of uh, possibility I'd love to go back and do a Colt 45 game at Old Colt Stadium against the uh, New York Mets. I think that would be a great experience. That truly would be an out-of-body experience. That's an outstanding answer, and uh, fans can uh, track that down. If you don't know who the Colts 45 are, check them out. It's a great story right there. Thanks for that, Dwayne. Thanks for the question. We have uh, fans joining us here in the cage like this fan. What's your name? What's the question for Mr. Stats. Hey, my name is Eric from Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Dwayne, I was uh, just wondering, do you think there are how many more uh, pieces in the bullpen uh, or just many pieces do the Rays have to add to uh, uh, just contend? I think, you know, they added uh, C-Shack today, the right-hander, and he has a special look about him, as you know. And um, so I, I think the, the couple of moves they've made the last two days uh, bringing in Dan Jennings, the lefty, and now C-Shack, the right-hander. I think that's exactly what they wanted to do. I don't know. I'm not privy to know if they're uh, finished or not. I think they initially went in wanting two bullpen arms and a right-handed bat. They've added now two bullpen arms and a left-handed bat. And I think uh, going forward, I think they're pretty happy with what they have in the bullpen right now. Jennings has a great ground ball ratio. Uh, he got a couple of those last night before he finally got an out. But I think they're happy with him, and I think having Ciszek uh, gives them a varied look, uh, a little bit uh, out of the uh, Buck Showalter in Baltimore vein in the bullpen where you get so many different looks from relievers out there, and and the Rays are going to have some of that now. Uh, Thank you for your question, Eric, and thanks, Wayne, for letting us in. I'm going to follow up with that from a social media question. You mentioned him a little bit, and we get into it more, from uh, Yitz Palm. Dwayne, uh, what do you think about that Lucas Duda trade? It's interesting. I, uh, it does a couple of things. Uh, it was a little peculiar in that they were initially looking for a right-handed bat, and I wonder if maybe the asking price for a solid right-handed bat. You don't want just a run-of-the-mill right-handed bat. You want a solid one. And I'm not so sure that maybe the asking price was a little bit more, and they run across Duda who, by the way, replaces uh, Colby Rasmus, you know, who walked away from the game for personal reasons. He gave them a very solid power threat from the left side. Duda is going to do that. And how they match that up, and ultimately, uh, with Morrison at first, Duda obviously can play first, and he can DH, and that, I think, will be 
his role in both those spots. They're going to be a little heavy left-handed. They've had Brad Miller back off the disabled list, and they've had Tim Beckham, two guys obviously in that second base role. And whether they divide time there or whether there's another deal that might be coming, but I think if Miller plays second base, they're going to be a little left-handed heavy. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. They may not be finished yet. <laughs> we have some hours left before that deadline expires, and people teams do like to make their deals right up to the very last one. This is the Edward Jones chatting cage. That's Ray's uh, voice of play-by-play. Dwayne Stats there taking your questions. A fan is in the cage. What's your name? What's your question for Dwayne? Hey, Dwayne. My name is Bobby. Um, I'm from Gainesville, Florida, and I was wondering just with all the home runs and stuff that the team's been scoring this year, like it's been really fun watching the team Like from my aspect and I was just wondering like how fun has it been like calling the games of all those home runs and hitting that they've done yeah Bobby it's been fun for a couple of reasons and the home run is one of them as you know that wasn't always the case in a raise lineup and it certainly has been but as much as they've emphasized the home run and that has been a point of emphasis no question you know most of the year I think the offense has been made up of strikeouts walks and home runs about anywhere from 37 to 40 percent of the time they're not the only team doing that. The other element, though, about this offense I like is having people like Malik Smith in there. Uh, Kiermaier is going to be back probably by um, the 9th of August when he's due to come off the disabled list. So you're going to have uh, a couple of guys who can run. You'll have some speed. Souza's kind of a combination of that. So it's not strictly a, a home run or strikeout lineup. There's some more variation in this lineup, and I think that's important because there are other ways to win games aside from the long ball, but there's no question there is an emphasis on that. Uh, thank you for that, Dwayne. Great to hear uh, from you on that. And this, uh, before we get a uh, fan tips the hand, I want to go now to the EDJ question of the day. What's the best call, Dwayne, you've ever had? Wow, best call I've ever had. I, I, you know, three of them probably come to mind. Um, Evan Longoria's home run in uh, 162, uh, that, that was great because that game, statistically, uh, the Rays were completely out of it. They come back and beat the Yankees at Tropicana Field, and that home run over the low wall uh, down the left field line was pretty great. Um, when I was with the Yankees, Jim Abbott's no-hitter, I've been blessed to call nine no-hitters, and Jim Abbott's was a special day when he threw that no-hitter for the Yankees here at uh, Old Yankee Stadium against the Indians. That was pretty cool. No-hitters are kind of fun, too, and uh, Matt Garza has thrown the only no-hitter in Rays history. So uh, those three things, I think, are pretty special. Uh, they are pretty special. Uh, it's good to hear those thoughts on that. That was the EDJ question of the day. Those special memories over a long and storied career as a broadcaster. That's Dwayne Stats, everybody, uh, taking your questions. Fans, join us here in the cage. Be a part of the conversation. And if you can't get there, the hashtag is Twitter. Uh, the hashtag is Chatting Cage on Twitter or the MLB Fans app, which you can submit your questions to, uh, and that'll be part of what we'll discuss. What I want to discuss, actually, Dwayne, is uh, we've got a lot. I can't even. There's a lot of questions about how you got into broadcasting, but what I'd like to do is uh, talk real quickly about the book about that decision. Um, Position to win. Uh, a fan fiction story from Dwayne Stats, about Dwayne Stats. Uh, how's that book? What was the process like, and uh, what's the book going to reveal the most to us? Yeah, it was real. It was fun to do. Um, I did it with Dave Scheiber, the two of us, and we found that we had similar writing styles. 
as, as you know, it's, it can be laborious to put something like that together. But I found that I really had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, my partner, uh, Brian Anderson, said that he would never write a book because he watched me uh, get on the charter flights with, uh, you know, a stack of the script and go over and you can't proofread those things enough. So that, uh, that part was fun. And I'd been encouraged to do this. My wife said, you should tell this story and some other people did. And essentially, I, I was not uh, unlike uh, a lot of kids growing up loving this game and thinking that it was uh, the greatest event on the face of the earth. You grow up playing it, and by the time you get out of high school, I tell people I was a good enough judge of talent to know that nobody was going to pay me to play. And I had a couple uh, high school instructors who had drafted me into speech and all that, and I uh, thought, well, let's put this together and see if we can't uh, avoid working <laughs> as I, uh, as I uh, thought about adulthood. And you know, it's worked out. And so this story essentially is about that. Uh, I listened to uh, a number of broadcasts growing up in the Midwest. You know, I could hear uh, broadcast at night from all across the country. Had the Cardinals in my backyard with Harry Carey and Jack Buck on that crew mm -hmm. and the Cubs. Uh, of course, I could pick them up sometimes during the day. And Bob Prince out of Pittsburgh and, and the Colt 45s and the Astros at night, Gene Elston. And I pinned off uh, a letter or two to Gene Elston, and he responded, which uh, made my day as a, an 11 or 12-year-old kid. And I kept that up, and, and as fate would have it, uh, I went to, went to school, uh, studied broadcasting there, got a job at the same time at a small radio station trying to do play-by-play. -play. Spent a couple of years in the minor leagues, and my first big league opportunity was Houston on that same crew with Gene Elston, and that's been... Uh, Gosh, a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. I'm sure the book is an outstanding read. Uh, I can concur that, folks, if you start early and you focus on how not to make a job work, you're on the right track. Dwayne did it. He pulled it off with grace and style. Another fan joins us here in the cage. What is your name? What's your question for Dwayne? Hey, Dwayne. My name's Tim. Um, out of all the calls you've made in your career, is there any that you think back on and wish that you could do differently or change it anyway? Oh, wow, that's uh, self-critiquing, uh, self and that's a very important thing in this, uh, in this business. In fact, when I worked in the minor leagues, uh, a fellow named Dick King ran the ball club, and he told me then, if you ever get an opportunity to uh, show people at the major league level what you can do, you'd better, number one, be prepared and not mess it up because you may never get another opportunity. So what that led me to do was to tape every inning of the games I did in the minor leagues and then have time to go back and critique them. Um, not that I've been perfect because I certainly have not been. We're all going to make uh, major mistakes. Uh, there's just that every, every broadcaster's done that and as people we all do that. Uh, what I try to do, and we were talking before we went on, when Joe Madden was here and Kevin Cash has, has followed this up, Rays lost a very tough game yesterday in Yankee Stadium. You, you celebrate a win or you wear the loss for 30 minutes and then you dissect it and then you go on and forget about it. And that's what I've tried to do with almost everything I've done. And so I guess what I'm trying to do is avoid answering your question because I don't really remember. I'm, I'm admitting there have been a number of them, but I've contemplated those, put them in a box and thrown it out the window. So uh, that's, that's where I am. And, and the other thing is, you know, we try to learn from those things, <clears throat> excuse me, 
Right there was the first, that's it. This one right here. I wish I could do that over. <laughs> but uh, what you want to do is learn from those and, and not wear them. And so that's what I've tried to do. Oh, that's a great phrase, learn from them, not wear them. Well said. Uh, thanks, Tim, for that question. Uh, we've talked a lot about the career and how, how it's come about. And I, I know, obviously, you grew up in St. Louis in your back doorstep and that, and that whole franchise, those voices, amazingly. So I like this question from Ali Q as a way to sort of get into some of the players you've been around. Ali Q wants to know, Dwayne, have you ever been starstruck meeting any of the ballplayers? Um, some of those players uh, you do. I'll tell you, as a kid growing up uh, loving this game, I probably was starstruck more by a broadcaster than, uh, than a baseball player. Uh, uh, Gene Nelson was very big in my life, and, and I uh, really owe him for responding to a kid's letter and developing uh, a rapport there. I could write him and ask him about uh, trying to become a broadcaster. But there was one guy who held that aura for me, and that was Jack Buck. Uh, Jack, I thought, was so prepared for every game, and yet he walked into the broadcast booth as if he had not a worry in the world. And I, coming from that area, uh, here I was, a young kid, 23, 24 years old in the major leagues, and Jack Buck always treated me uh, with kindness and respect and he still was that one guy who held that little aura for me, I think, in the broadcast business for a long time. And speaking of that, I thought of what I would redo. Oh. When I did radio with the Cubs, Davey Nelson was my partner for a couple of years, and I actually went on the air and introduced ourselves as each other. I said, this is Dave Nelson <laughs> along with Dwayne Stats. If I could redo that, I would. I love the... It's amazing what sticks with you decades <laughs> later. It rarely is the big, big things. But That's those, right. Every once in a while, just something. I, I know the pain well, Dwayne. <laughs> I've said things I'd like to put back, and they're rarely the big ones, often the small ones. Hey, it's uh, another fan here in the chatting cage. What's your name? Uh, what's your question my for Dwayne? My name is Logan. I'm from Wikiwachi. Dwayne, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Who would be, in your eyes, who is the most consistent Tampa Bay Ray that you, that you know? I guess it would have to be maybe the most obvious answer is, is uh, Evan Longoria. You know, Evan has been there uh, every day. He's answered the bell. Uh, he takes pride in trying to play every game, uh, be there at third base, be in the lineup, somewhere in the middle of the lineup, most of the time third. And I think uh, in the history of the Rays, it absolutely would be Evan Longoria. Uh, Certainly, those of us that have watched baseball know uh, that's true, and he's had some great, great moments in that Rays uniform. That last day of the year will never, ever leave my memory bank. One of the great ones. Uh, Dwayne Stats taking a question. Another fan joins us in the cage. What's your name? What's your question for Dwayne? Hey, how are you doing? Thank you guys for taking my question. As you can see, I'm a Marlins fan, and I just wonder if you could talk a bit about the impact that Adani Echeverria, who we love and we're sorry to lose, what, what type of impact has his arrival to the Rays brought to the fan base and to the organization as a whole? Yeah. Go Rays, go Marlins. Hey, thank you very much, and thanks for that question. I think it's a great question. You know, he, he was involved in that play last night that to split the difference between Tim Beckham and uh, Echeverria turned out to be a, a critical play in that game and, and made the eventual loss uh, all that much uh, more difficult, I think. But I believe that uh, the, the acquisition of Adani Echeverria for this team uh, has a chance to make all the difference in terms of this club going forward. They needed two things more than anything, uh, to shore up defense and to add to their bullpen. And they've done both of those things now, but Echeverria came first 
I love Jason Bartlett when he was here. He was part of that championship season, 08, when they went to the World Series. A very, very good player and a great shortstop. But Echeverria is in a class almost, I don't know if anyone's in a class alone, but he's close to that at shortstop. And when you put Longoria on the left side along with Echeverria, uh, that is a major lift for the Rays. And so I think uh, if they wind up uh, getting to the postseason, they still have their sights on winning the division. If it's that or a wild card, Echeverria is going to be a big, big part of that because he's absolutely the best shortstop this franchise has ever had. Uh, an exciting time there. We appreciate the question from a Marlins fan who is out and about in beautiful Florida getting his question in. Another fan joins us. What's your name? What's your question for Dwayne? Hi, Dwayne. Um, my name's Mark. I'm uh, from Wesley Chapel, Florida. Um, so being a kid who's about to graduate high school, um, what would you recommend for a kid who would have an interest in getting into broadcasting? That's a great question and a question I ask at, the, at that same point. Uh, Gene Elston, when I, when I decided I was legitimately, seriously interested in broadcasting, I sent him a, a letter and asked him that question. He said, number one, you want to get as much education as you can and as much practical experience as you can. And fortunately, I lived uh, just down the road from Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, which is right across the river from St. Louis. The year I started school there was the year they put their student station on the air. And I was at that student station before I ever went to class. So I went to class, I spent my time there at that station, and then got a job that fall at a small radio station doing high school football and basketball. Uh, did baseball for the university there on their station. And I think uh, without that start and without not only the education but the practical experience, I would have had no chance in this business. It gave me an opportunity to refine what skill I had at that time, try to make it better and be more comfortable on the air, uh, be more confident on the air. And so that's what I would say. Find a, uh, get your education and then find a good opportunity at the same time uh, to get practical experience. As you know, this is a competitive business and I just didn't feel as if I could go to school and then get a degree and then get out and try to jump into this business. I thought I had to do it both at the same time. And I think if you do that, you're a step ahead. Uh, great advice there from Mark, from Dwayne Stats. If you're paying attention, young fans out there, that's a, a good plan across the board. Remember, it's a difficult business. Just about everything is in this, uh, the broadcasting one in particular. The skill set, that base, goes with some intelligence, as Mr. Stats has proven, obviously. The book is A Position to Win. Dwayne, did you have a good time talking to fans today? It was great. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, a it good a, time. Uh, delight having you. Uh, great to hear from you. One of the great voices in baseball. Dwayne Stats, everybody. And as always, fans, I thank you for joining us here in the cage. Just a much better show when you do my job. We'll see you in the next round of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage.